0: Wait, so so. If you guys have you guys seen some of the photos out of San Francisco and uh, the West oh Coast recently?
1: Jesus, Christ. it looks
0: it looks like I mean, it literally looks like Blade Runner, but very apocalyptic.
1: <laughs> it's like the end of the world.
0: It's like the end of the world. Speaking of the end of the world,
1: <laughs> hey, look at that! Look at that! That I'm was that to, was good. Did you plan that?
0: I, d- I did. I planned that.
2: But I, I actually didn't – I didn't realize that, like, a uh, light can look that way in, like, a human environment. I mean, it, it's it's pretty st- – I mean, I, mess- it, I guess it's just – what is it? It's, it's, it's the fire reflecting off of all the crazy, massive kind of particles in the air. I think the it's fire. the sun.
0: I think it's just, like, the craziest um, sunset or sunrise of all time. But I, I, maybe I'm mistaken. Oh, oh okay. Because if the fire – yeah. if the glow is from the fire, then – you know, San Fran would be in, in real bad shape.
1: I mean, you saw a similar sky in Australia not that long ago. You know, uh, I mean, this is this is sort of the norm now. This is you know, in our climate change episode, we talked about how fires are uh, wildfires are going to burn more intensely, and there will be more of them. Climate change isn't some distant future; it's it's right now, uh, and it's a threat to our infrastructure.
0: So last week, guys, we talked about, or maybe it was three weeks ago now at this point, a lot has happened. Everything, so much happens every damn day these days. It's just, it's like a tsunami of, of, um, just horrifying current events. But, uh, anyway, so we talked about the development of nuclear weapons. We talked about, you know, the discovery way back in the beginning of the 20th century of all this enormous energy locked up inside the atom we talked about how they unlocked it. we talked about the development of fission bombs and fusion bombs uh, and missiles and then their deployment, the strategy behind it, the politics behind it, the idea of deterrence um, and just the inevitable just hurtling into you know, the arms race and nuclear proliferation which has put us into this situation um, that we're in now that we've all lived under, for our entire lives, our parents have lived in the same situation, uh, in which we are just several minutes from total annihilation at any given at moment. At any given moment. <laughs> yeah. At the press of a button, literally, um, you know, by a, 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 a madman. I mean, tr- Donald Trump gets followed around with a nuclear football every day. We made that point already. That's pretty terrifying.
1: especially this is now we know i mean he had information on covid back in early february and withheld that information from the american public i mean this is not somebody with the public interest at heart fundamentally
0: he's he is a narcissist and he is just so nihilistic i really think he will bring the world down with him when like the fear of his own annihilation and Death.
2: we all know that his doctors are all crackpots he pays to just uh, sign off a press release that he writes himself about his health it's
0: just his it's his age he lives off of burnt diner steaks and he's what not 76 years old
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's a pretty hefty man as well i mean he's not he's not maintaining himself very well put it that way but to, to to kind of go on that a little bit like i i do think that um trump will be one of those sort of um you know, Egyptian leaders or whoever who insisted that like all 400 of his like servants like go and die in the in his like tomb with him when it, when he goes to the afterworld or whatever I mean he can have Kushner well sure I mean the whole family should obviously all participate in in the the you know f- the uh the ritual that they're gonna perform yeah well it'll
0: it'll either be some form of um immortality at the expense of the world or he'll is bring the world down with him
2: thousands of blood boys which
0: yeah like <laughs> jesus with an ego like that i mean it, it's insane but so anyway obviously we're 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 always looking we've been looking down into the precipice for 75 years now so let's talk about a few times we came really 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 close to going over And just offing the entire species. Does that sound good to you guys? I mean, yeah, that seems to be human existence,
1: right?
2: Just what I need after a really chill-ass week.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Gilded Age, the podcast where we discuss how and why we're fucked. As always, I'm Walker Bragman.
2: I'm Alex Koch.
0: And I'm Mark Colangelo.
1: And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about nuclear weapons and how we are constantly just on the brink of total annihilation. So stick around.
0: So I think perhaps the closest um, time we've ever come to the brink because of a policy situation, you know, actually deciding that we're going to launch our nukes instead of just an accident uh, was the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right? You guys have heard of this?
1: Uh, once or twice. Once or twice.
2: Uh, I remember learning about it in school and I was just like, holy shit. This that's a place happened.
1: in Fa- – that was in Venezuela, right?
0: Venezuela, yeah, it's uh, Cuba, Venezuela It's the capital of Venezuela (laughs) You know, I I thought I knew I I thought I knew everything there was to know about this Um, But when you get into the details It's really, really fascinating and horrifying So, uh, it's the early 60s America's a bit paranoid about the spread of communism Just a little bit, right? Just a little Latin America um, As we
1: talked about in our episode on speech And money
0: so, uh, so a Latin American country like Cuba uh, allying itself with the Soviets, this is unacceptable for us. It's a violation of the Monroe Doctrine, for one, um, which states that we have dominion over the Western Hemisphere. So Fidel Castro being 90 miles off the coast of Florida, that's a problem for us when the Soviet <laughs> Union is trying to um, – Trying to influence affairs there, and their people are quite happy about the idea of communism uh, and the idea of this guy Fidel Castro. So, there are many attempts to oust this guy Fidel Castro, right? Most notably, the Bay of Pigs. So, we trained, we financed, and we directed these Cuban exiles to invade Cuba and overthrow Castro. Uh, and it achieved success initially, right? There, we overwhelmed the local militia, but we kind of gave up on it. The plan always required air support, so when word of the invasion got out to the world, JFK, who was the president at the time, he got some—he got cold feet—and he decided to withhold any air support, and the invaders just got crushed because we abandoned them and uh, they were surrounded well, by they Castro. Also, they also
1: didn't have a ton of uh, local support.
0: No, they didn't. They were relying on Uncle Sam coming in with our big jets. And just clearing the way for them. And as soon as they got onto the beach, we were like, uh, nope, sorry, guys, we don't know you. Because word started to get out about this and uh, popular opinion on the, on the global stage uh, kind of soured on it. And JFK was mm-hmm. thought it would be best to just abandon them. Um,
2: wow. So, like, he literally, like, these are, like, sort of, like, inf- infantry people just like he's stranded on the beach? We, we
0: trained them. They were
2: Cuban exiles.
0: We trained them. We armed them. Uh, we put them into the, you know, we launched the invasion from the Bay of Pigs, uh, literally storming the beachfront. And uh, once they got onto the island and overwhelmed the nearest town, took hold of that, uh, JFK was, you know, decided,
2: nah. But as exi- exiles, I assume they were U.S. residents, if not citizens by that point, right? uh
0: I- I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was I mean, a mix. It doesn't
2: really matter; it's still kind of screwed up either way. Yeah. But, um, so, just... so this was it was a
0: massive policy failure for the U.S. because these people were just surrounded by Castro. They were publicly interviewed uh, and said, you know, all this terrible stuff about the U.S. and then thrown in prison. And Castro just looked like a damn hero to the Cuban people because their country was being invaded, right? And he stopped it. <laughs> he he he. Uh, He just stuck it to the U.S., the most you know powerful country in the world, and saved his people. I wonder why he wanted
1: nuclear weapons.
0: Right, so a little (laughs) foreshadowing there. So, America was not very happy with about this. JFK was not very happy about this. The CIA, especially, was not very happy about this. And there were a ton of other attempts at this point to get rid of Castro through more nefarious plots. So this is like this is like peak CIA right now. <laughs> so uh, let me. I'll, I'll list some of the schemes that they came up with to get rid of Castro, just to give you an idea of how crazy spy shit was back then, right? So some of the s- schemes that the CIA came up with to undermine his, his credibility with the people were dosing him with LSD before he made a speech. That was a real thing. They sprayed down the office and all these surfaces with LSD, but it didn't. It didn't work <laughs> for some reason. They they wanted him to go crazy and just. Th- what they wanted to do is break the. Br- break the people's respect for him because that's what they're most afraid of, and have him. I mean, that's crumble. kind of awesome. They they laced <laughs> his cigars with other compounds like LSD or other dissociative drugs that would cause disorientation and confusion. But
1: it's our goal to, to discredit him or create the most enlightened leader on the
0: planet. <laughs> I know, man, man. We would, it could be like a global Cuba right now. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, we also put thallium salts in his boots so that his beard would fall out. Um, How does that work? Apparently there is some power in his beard uh, with his people. <laughs> I don't know that d- it didn't work out though.
2: But uh, uh, how does putting a kind of salt in one's boot affect? It's it's some it's some kind
0: of 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 toxin that makes your hair fall out. They just makes all your hair fall out. They uh, yeah they put it they put it in his boots when he left his boots. So you got to remember, there's like CIA people on the ground in Cuba or CIA associated people actually trying to pull all this stuff off. So it is very much like James Bond esque. Um, And I mean, scarier things they they planned uh, full on false flag attacks against the U.S to uh, justify an invasion. So, you know, attacking ourselves and making it look like Cuba did it so we can invade. They drew up plans to destroy the whole sugarcane crop of the island and just throw them into starvation and famine and economic ruin. Um, And then there were just a ton of plans to just straight up assassinate the guy. So all, all this stuff failed or it was never carried out. And Castro had a very good idea of what was going on at the time, which is why a lot of these... He, I mean, he must have been so paranoid. Imagine this.
2: <laughs> is
1: it the LSD, or am I legitimately paranoid?
2: <laughs> so, the Soviets. But, but just to, to, so like, just to make clear, I mean, this is this is pretty much a proxy war with Russia, right? This
0: is a proxy war with Russia. This I is mean, this. we don't
2: care. We don't really. I, I'm, I'm just confused why they cared so much about Castro himself. I mean, like, if Castro fell, another leader would take his place, and Russia could still plant nukes on Cuba. So what's the difference? uh I
0: don't know I mean this was this was like kissing this was pre-kissinger still we were we were very um paranoid about about communism anywhere communism bad because they ally with the Soviets and uh, then they let the Soviets come in and put missiles in right so.
1: again I wonder why Castro wanted those nuclear weapons
0: <laughs> yes right so so well we're getting to that now. So largely in, in response to the Bay of Pigs, but this also just constant barrage of attempts to kill Castro and over the, <laughs> overthrow the government. Um, and, and also in response to – so keep in mind, we, we the U.S. had already put nuclear weapons in a country analogous to Cuba. They put them in, in Turkey, which was quite close to the Soviet Union. And, and we put, we put intermediate range – they're called Jupiter-class missiles there – um, and they had been they'd lived the Soviet Union had lived with those for i think a couple of years at this point so w- with all that in mind the soviets decided to intervene in cuba and they moved to install their own nuclear missiles on the island to deter the us from doing what all the shit it had just been doing just trying to kill castro trying to overthrow the government they figure like you said walker if there are nukes you know a country with nukes tends to get invaded less by the us it's it's kind of kind of a rule at this point
1: <laughs> right. We, I mean, look. If you, yeah, if you if you are a nuclear power, you are less likely to be uh, fucked with. And if you are not, you are you are subject to get regime
0: changed. And so this was this was still a, a pretty gutsy move by the Soviets. And uh, another thing driving this whole um, decision was that Khrushchev didn't really respect Kennedy. He viewed Kennedy as a weak little college boy. Um and he this view of him was cemented during the Berlin Crisis uh, in 1961, um, in which the Berlin Wall was erected and it was and Kennedy was largely seen as having backed down and just letting that happen. So I mean here's a quote from Khrushchev, right? I know for certain Kennedy doesn't have a strong background, nor generally speaking does he have the courage to stand up to a serious challenge. So Ken- so Khrushchev thought Kennedy's going to make a fuss and then he's just going to relent and he's going to. Let the nuclear missiles stay in Cuba, and the Soviet Union has just advanced another chess piece in this crazy cold war. And Castro, for his part, right? He didn't want to look like a Soviet puppet. I mean, Castro is no one's puppet, but he was convinced that uh, he needed to do something we're, because we're it, gonna
1: come we're gonna come out of this podcast people th- with people thinking that we love Castro <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I I don't know how to feel about Castro um, to be honest, but um, I've heard good things and I've heard a lot of very bad things
1: <laughs> I've heard some good things about you I've heard some not such great things about you what can you all bring to this position? I mean
2: like he turned into a dictator that's pretty awful but yeah. you know it's like you can't really discount I mean people just want to take one side and it's like look I mean <laughs> the guy was like tar- you know, targeted for his whole entire life by a sort of this uh, you know greedy anti-communist dominant nation um, but he also ended up you know, shitting on his own people in many times. So, you know, but it's, teaching
1: it's, them to read 100% literacy. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's that's the worst thing ever that he taught them how to read. Yeah. I mean, come on, imagine that. <laughs> no, I mean, it is um, it is like painted. That's worth a couple hit pieces in, in the Atlantic for sure. Oh, for
1: sure. If you praise that, <laughs> yeah. if you praise the, that that liter, the Cuba's literacy, heaven help Edward, you.
2: I, Edward Isaac Dover is right there with pen and paper. Oh, my God. Go.
1: He is just <laughs> salivating.
2: But it must be like it must be really crushing now that there's only two Democrats left in the presidential race, one of whom is vice presidential candidate, and neither of them are you know big uh, Russia stands or Castro stands. I mean, wh- I wonder how he spends his days. You know, Karen Bass got they, he got Karen Bass out of there real quick, and after that, I was like, oh. You
1: know, I just I I. I don't know. I, I'm probably waiting for the next scoop, the next little bit of... Rele- please, sir, can I be a little relevant today?
2: Oh, I'm sure he's got a nice steady flow of propaganda from the Democrats, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> he's one of the most despicable journalists in the country. <laughs> and he doesn't even work for a right-wing publication. Like, it's so funny. He's, so, he's such a dishonest journalist. It's amazing.
0: So, speaking of dishonesty and propaganda... the uh the soviets (laughs) decided oh thank you i'm I'm, I'm working i'm just i was just hanging out there for for 20 seconds looking for a a note to chime back in on (laughs) the soviets launched what they called operation anadir and i'm probably pronouncing that wrong but anadir interestingly is a river that flows into the bering sea it's nowhere near cuba um, even though this whole operation, Operation Andrea was about Cuba, and the name reflects the secrecy and the misdirection, uh, of the, of this whole operation and how the Russians operated in general. I thought this was really interesting. Um, they operate under a doctrine and, and still do, uh, I'm sure, uh, of war fighting called mash, mashkurovka, right? Which translates to disguise. Um, and it's, it's a style of, of war fighting that prioritizes denial and deception and misdirection and, and subterfuge. And it's been the MO of the Russians since the early 20th century. And it was just, just
1: the Russians?
0: Well, they do it, they do it best. They do it best, or at least it's, it's part of, um, you know, they, they, the, the, the KGB thing came naturally to them. Um, I mean, it was critical to their to their victories at Stalingrad and at other key victories. Where you know they were they were underdogs, right? And so this is why it's it seems like it's critical to their identity. They they've always been seen themselves as kind of an underdog that uh, that had to A
1: plucky little nation that could
0: that that had to be scrappy, right? I mean, they stole the atomic bomb we talked about in the last episode. They they didn't uh they didn't have the resources to do a Manhattan Project and we cut them out of the Manhattan Project. So what'd they do? Maskorovka, right? That's what they if, did. If
1: anybody out there speaks Russian, uh, you know, please, <laughs> please feel me. free please feel free to to send us a, a message, ping us and tell us the correct correct pronunciation.
0: So so with Operation Anadir, right? No one had any idea what was going on unless they were extremely high up. Uh, in this entire project The troops being deployed for the mission They were given ski boots and fleece parkas And they were told, you know, you're going someplace cold uh, <laughs> to, Which I think is hilarious Like they, they, uh, in case there were spies there They just lied to everybody And the missile specialists were brought in And called um, agricultural or irrigation engineers uh, And they, you know, I'm sure st- snuck stuff in and barges full of grain so this was all all very
2: that's that's pretty impressive
0: right and so they they managed to get uh, a lot of missiles onto the island they didn't they didn't get everything assembled yet but you know the u.s found out anyway not not long after Um, so we were suspicious all along obviously because we could see the motive for russia to intervene in cuba Uh, And all these suspicions were confirmed when a a U-2 spy plane captured images of Soviet R-12 missiles. And the date was October 14th, 1962. And this really kicked off the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the president was briefed in an executive committee consisting of the National Security Council plus a handful of other key advisors convened to come up with a response. And they came up with six responses, right? One. Do nothing. This doesn't really change the game because there are ICBMs pointed at us anyway. Our vulnerability to missiles is nothing new. And, and heck, we have them in Turkey pointed at – we have similar missiles in Turkey pointed at the Russians. So no big deal. Two, diplomacy. Uh, the third option, uh, offer Castro a secret choice of splitting with the Russians or being invaded. F- the fourth choice, just full-on invasion. The fifth choice, airstrike. Um Without a full-on invasion, and the sixth choice was a naval blockade. So what? which of those options do you think the military brass and the National Security Council were pushing for, guys? Well, I'm no, going to
1: go ahead. Uh, uh, definitely <laughs> diplomacy, hands down, or do nothing.
0: You would think so, but no. <laughs> but no.
1: So these war, these these war, these bloodthirsty monsters. You would think that they would go for the for the diplomatic option. Surprisingly I'm enough, guys. Say,
0: yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say airstrike was the, definitely. They, on the table. they broke from their long tradition of of just <laughs> peaceful, <laughs> Peace. thought out <laughs> approaches to uh, to world power, and they they all agreed that a full scale. Invasion of Cuba was the only reasonable way to respond, right? So in in conversations with JFK, who, again, was at the helm at this point, which JFK secretly recorded, no one knew he was recording these things, and they they didn't come out till I think, at least a decade later, I think maybe even more than that. You can hear JFK basically being goaded into war, including by his own brother, Robert Kennedy. Um, They're just stoking the fire of you need to go in, you know, balls to the wall and invade and and just get get these these filthy soviets off that island. And uh and we can install democracy there, right? Freedom. Yeah. Um thankfully,
1: but they don't have oil reserves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it was weird. Uh weird times back then. Thankfully, Kennedy didn't listen though. Um and I say thankfully because I, I told you we are going to talk about some close calls here. Un- completely unbeknownst to us at the time, um, in addition to the medium range missiles that were still not operational on the island, Russia had p- put in a bunch of tactical nuclear weapons, right, which are much smaller. And by smaller, I mean like roughly the size of the Hiroshima bomb. Um, and these things are just... These things are just loaded and ready to go. They can be fired from artillery shells. Uh, and they, their goal was to create what they called a nuclear umbrella to invent any, uh, to prevent any U.S. naval intervention. So had Kennedy listened to his advisors and actually right. gone ahead with innovative Cuba. Cuba, they would have, they would have nuked our ships on the beachfront. And,
1: and that would have set off. And the almost, entire-
0: almost every historian agrees that. Like there's no way this wouldn't have just escalated into a full-scale thermonuclear war at this point.
2: Now would would those those um, smaller? I mean, <laughs> they're still giant, but the smaller nukes that if they were going to bomb U.S. ships near their coast, wouldn't they uh, basically, you know, create a disaster for their own people for decades to come? Follow the radiation.
0: It seems, you yes yes and destroy the coral reefs and. Irradiate the ocean and the atmosphere. But we, I mean, you go back and watch these like nuclear test footage, even. We just, we didn't seem to think about nuclear fallout that seriously back then. Um, These, these were very much viewed as the military of like as weapons that you could use in, in war. You know, if, if there was a, uh, if there was another conflict that broke out. We had these well, it went so well
2: in Japan. I, everyone, you know, it was totally fine after the bombs in Japan. So I can totally understand <laughs> that that way of thinking. Oh, no,
0: it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. So happily, Kennedy again did not do that. He opted for option six, which is a blockade. To um, again, these weapons weren't operational. I guess uh, the thought was, if we blockade and prevent anything else from entering the island, then these intermediate range, uh, range missiles cannot actually be completed. Um, But this led to its own problems. First of all, Soviets vowed to just call this an act of piracy and um, not listen to it. Uh, But also, there were little skirmishes going on between U.S. Navy ships and the Soviet ships that were there. So another close call uh, in the same period, just days later. At, At one point, A U.S. uh, destroyer was dropping what they call test depth charges, which are just small depth charges, I guess, the size of a hand grenade, as a warning to a Soviet sub. The Soviet sub was totally out of radio range and had no idea that this was just the U.S. basically trolling them. Uh, They thought they were actually under attack, and they were armed with nuclear-tipped torpedoes, and two of the commanders of that sub... Uh, like basically turned the key To launch these nuclear tip torpedoes And there was one guy The third commander they, All three of them needed to uh, To give their okay before these things could be launched One guy stood in the way and said No, there's no fucking way we're doing this And that's kind of a, that's kind of a theme now we, I mean we <laughs> talked about Stanislav Petrov Stanislav Petro. We talked about Kennedy it, 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 it has come down To a single person To a single person in so many instances And it's so terrifying I mean I can't imagine how many other timelines the world is just a nuclear wasteland in because we've gotten lucky.
2: Like imagine if the, if they were MAGA chuds. I mean, that thing would have been launched immediately.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah who in this administration would have the restraint? So like, I honestly can't think of anybody.
0: So so this, this next one is perhaps the closest we came during that period to all that nuclear war. Um, a U.S. spy plane – was shot down by a surface-to-air missile over Cuba. Uh, the pilot Rudolf Anderson he was killed, and we knew it had to be the Soviets because only Soviet missiles were capable of shooting this spy plane down. The Cubans, the, the guerrilla fighters, and the Cuban militia Castro's forces didn't didn't have this weaponry. So we thought the Soviets just shot down one of our planes and killed one of our military people. I mean, that is not a cold war anymore. That's that is a hot war. Uh, that's a full-on war, and uh, the the Joint Chiefs of Staff and that committee, that uh, oh, sorry, the National Security Council and the committee had agreed if if one of our planes gets shot down, we're not even meeting again. Like we're fucking we're we're invading. Like that's it. This is this is war now. It's on. Again, Kennedy uh, stepped in and said, uh, you know. This, this, we don't, this must have been an accident. like the Soviets wouldn't be this stupid. And it turns out so 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 no invasion. hold it, We're not going to war. let's 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 give them let's give them a little more time if they shoot down another one of our planes, then we'll be totally clear on their intentions. Uh, and it was only later revealed that the decision had been made by a rogue commander who, Fell um, under the command of Raúl Castro against the orders from Moscow. So Moscow didn't actually want to shoot down U.S. planes because they knew exactly what they that would have meant and what it almost did mean. And fortunately, Kennedy had the restraint. I mean, imagine that they they were they were they agreed. All of all of his people agreed. The military brass agreed. One of our planes gets shot down. Like that's it. It's go time. And he he stepped in and he stopped it. And I mean, thank God that he did.
1: Yeah, I mean, but before we go off and and, start, and you know just singing Kennedy's praises, the Bay of Pigs did start this.
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't mean to. I don't mean to sing Kennedy's praises. But in learning about this, I uh, it 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 becomes clear that just his his restraint and his unwillingness to take that next step over the brink on many many um
1: at many steps moments through this, yeah. throughout
0: this whole thing just just prevented it from from going over the, the edge i mean you talk to historians and you talk to um people people in policy who were in the government during uh, during this time and they'll tell you like at at the time they thought it was like a 5050 shot that this ended in nuclear war but knowing everything that came to light in you know t- the 10 to 20 years that ensued they now they now give it much better than a 50 50 like we we got lucky that that we were able to just hold off until this thing simmered down cuz it was very close
2: well the the obvious moral of the story is that Hiring a militia to overthrow a foreign government is a really great idea. And I'm glad that we've continued that strong tradition <laughs> up to this present day.
0: What could ever go wrong?
2: <laughs> right.
0: Khrushchev was losing control of the communications out of his own government. And the Soviets were starting to look like jerks on the global states because of this thing. So he was he was very anxious to, as he put it, un- untie this knot before Armageddon. Um and so he put forward a back channel deal, right? Uh, in which, if the U.S. removed those weapons from the, the intermediate range nukes from Turkey, and it's rumored that they were in Italy, but uh, no one is quite sure on that. It's I'm sure still classified. Then they would pull everything out of Cuba, and Kennedy, again, against the the urging of his advisors. Decided to take take the deal. He called it "quote a pretty good play," but but uh, what's interesting is that that was not the story that was told to the American people. No one, no one realized that there was an, a, a diplomatic side. Everyone viewed Kennedy as just having stared down Khrushchev, and the lesson was: you do not back down, you do not do diplomacy, you do not. We just we just need to just be bigger and badder and scarier to the Soviets. And it wasn't it wasn't until years later I didn't realize that that uh. The, the whole, the back channel deal came out. People didn't, people didn't know that we were, the public didn't know that we were taking our missiles out of Turkey and that it was basically a a quid pro quo. So bad lesson to be learned because it's not exactly what happened.
1: (laughs) And, and so today, where does this leave us?
0: Right. So, so those, those were, um, that was one of the most, tense and that's probably the closest we came to nuclear annihilation because of a a military or diplomatic decision but we've arguably come a lot closer on many occasions just because of sheer accidents uh, and screw-ups and false alarms i mean we started this whole series off with the story of stanislav petrov who single-handedly probably saved the world and there are a few uh, characters in the Cuban Missile Crisis story, who, as we said, arguably saved the world. I mean, it often—it's so scary how often it comes down to one person. But let's just quickly talk about a few of the more harrowing events, right? So, we dropped a hydrogen bomb on ourselves. Uh, we dropped it on North Carolina in 1961 on the 23rd of January 1961. This B-52 Stratofortress was carrying two four-megaton mark 39 hydrogen bombs so each of those is 260 times more powerful than the bomb we dropped on hiroshima and it got a fuel leak over north carolina and it was ordered to return to base before it could get there though it, the fuel leak got a lot worse the plane started shaking violently everyone had to abandon the aircraft and it just broke up and the two bombs were were essentially dropped um one of them collided with the ground and the plutonium core shot out of the front of the bomb. It shot out. It it, it shot out of the plane, armed, uh, partially armed. Sorry, it crashed into the ground. The plutonium core shot down a hundred feet into the ground. It's estimated, and because of the groundwater and all the issues when getting to it, it's still there. We never even got it. And I, I'm I, they're regularly testing the groundwater now to make sure that it's not irradiated. Oh so that is.
2: It's it's still there. The Air Force had to sixty <laughs> years, man. I, I've been there. I'm Goldsboro, North Carolina. I grew yeah. an hour and a half away from there. It's it's so it's so
0: frightening. And so the Air Force bought you know a few acres around t- the site where it crashed into the ground and they're just uh waiting to see what happens. Um God, that's still pathetic. to this
1: day. <laughs> to this day I'm waiting to see what happens.
2: That's yeah. just pathetic. Like can you not I, what is it? What is it? Is, is just like, uh, we created this monster of a bomb that like you can't go near or they just haven't like tried to get it out. Uh,
0: They, they dug, they dug down. They, to get, I think the, the larger parts of the bomb were left about 20, 25 feet below the surface. It was just like this dense core shot out like a bullet straight into the muddy water and then because of the because of how wet the soil was like it just kept flooding and i don't know they they thought it would be better to leave it there
2: instead of touch it
0: you'll have you have to email the air force and ask them
2: i'm going to write to the manager (laughs) of the air force
1: yeah excuse me i want to talk to a manager i'm I'm not happy
2: (laughs) That's that's not very good customer service, guys. yeah, really I mean, really uh, sixty years of of a deadly catastrophic bomb underneath your feet, like come on
0: guys. oh it's it's just it's just the nuclear core,
1: <laughs> I bet you the land is real cheap,
0: oh yeah, I mean, I think millennials can maybe afford a home there,
1: <laughs> oh, my <God.
0: laughs> oh my god, so so. So that that was scary enough. But the second bomb, now the second bomb was fully armed and it behaved exactly as a nuclear weapon was supposed to behave in warfare when it's being intentionally dropped. It left the aircraft, its parachute deployed, um, which is meant to happen so that its descent is slowed and the actual bomber, because these things are so huge, has time to get far enough away from the explosion that um, it, it doesn't blow them up. And also because these things explode over the ground and not on the ground so that they kill the most people. Um, So, so when that bomb, so that bomb parachutes the earth, it got stuck in a tree and, (laughs) and uh, I mean, I just imagine the guys who bailed out and then just saw this nuclear bomb floating down on a parachute, like fully armed. So they, they, the bomb disposal unit found this bomb on a tree and Three of the four switches had been fully armed. It was there was one simple mechanical switch that had not closed, like like a light switch that prevented the current from getting through, um, and prevented a four-megaton nuclear explosion in Goldsboro, North Carolina, which it would have surely killed hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, I mean, I don't know how populated Goldsboro is, but um, and and it would have spewed fallout all the way up the eastern seaboard um, as far north as new york city and it would have rendered just a large swath of the country uninhabitable one little one little switch one little light switch
2: god just this is uh, the we just errors. live in this dumbest fucking <laughs> like we're, we're just our society is just so horribly fucked up and dumb like can you believe that shit like there shouldn't be a system where you can just, you can make a little error and you can you can like just D- a whole side of the country you know, for we, decades chi- chimps we were chimps with machine guns we still are
0: um, I mean a, and another another example I won't get into as much detail but two planes collided over the coast, uh off the coast of Georgia uh, and a another mark 15 nuclear bomb fell out of the B-52 and uh, it landed in Wasaw Sound um, off the coast of Georgia and we never found it we looked we looked we looked there's still a mark 15 nuclear bomb down there somewhere
1: what oh my god
0: and it was it was i mean likely fully intact and uh, operational it was just it fell out of the damn plane over the sound and and uh oh we can't
2: find it god whoops <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well no. note to self yeah don't go don't go, <laughs> Don't go, go a swimming
0: in a, in Wausau Sound. Um, there, there have been there have been incidents where we accidentally loaded war games onto the NORAD computers, and the the radar technicians and the commanders didn't know that these were war games, and actually thought we were under attack. Oh, they loaded the, these 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 you know fake training games were just accidentally put into the machines, and whoops. There's thousands of nuclear we- uh, missiles heading towards us. Um,
2: so, have there been any fairly recent close calls that you're aware of? Um, not, no, not, not that I'm
0: aware of.
1: But it is, it is worth noting, Alex, that in in 2016, CNN uh, reported these photograph or, or put, put up these photographs from our nuclear facilities. That just show them in complete disrepair.
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it is. It really feels like an accident waiting to happen, unless there's a ton of stuff going on that we don't that we don't know about. I mean, even uh, even even back in the late in the, so in the late '70s, these things were failing. I mean, another one, a faulty compu- computer chip said 2,200 missiles are inbound. The Secretary of State is woken up in the middle of the night to wake up President Carter. He doesn't wake up President Carter, and he doesn't wake up his wife, and he says. Just double check it. Secretary of State still waits. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't wake up Carter. He, he doesn't wake up his wife because he said he wanted his wife to die in his sleep. Like, we thought we were going to be annihilated, and then it wasn't until 10 minutes later that they're like, whoops, faulty computer chip. And those those same systems are still online. That was in the late 70s. They were fucking up. So there there, there, it, there is the – so we're, we're still – sitting underneath this i mean there there, there is the um i think it was obama passed the nuclear modernization program which is which is several uh i think 1.3 trillion to to update our our nuclear weapons program the problem is it's just reigniting a new cold war because um because we're now just making faster, smarter, better nukes, and Russia's obviously taking notice. And now they're, I mean, you've seen some of the crazy shit that they've been putting out there, like submarine bombs that are supposed to f- just go- drill into San Francisco Harbor and all this insane crap. Um, so we're, we're very, we're very close to just spiraling. We never were free of the danger, but we're very close again to just spiraling into this escalation.
2: Something that I've always been surpri- kind of surprised about is that the sort of lack of urgency around North Korea. I mean, you know, there's a little bit back and forth, like Trump going over there and buttering up Kim. Um, he really, I mean, he really admires Kim because he's a brutal dictator, a murderous dictator, and that's that's kind of what Trump wants to be. But I mean, the politics aside, I mean, like it just doesn't seem like there's that much urgency around it. I just, it. I just don't think that there's any good solutions. I read a piece I don't know
0: in all of all places like the Atlantic when uh, Trump was talking about his fire and fury stuff and it went through all the options and none of them none of them were good really I mean the best option was just deal with it because in addition to New- North Korea's nuclear threats they I mean they, they'll take out the entire city of Seoul I mean it's unfortunately close to the border kill 7 million people with just the thousands of you know artillery arrays that they have aligned at the border as soon as we do something i mean that'll be within within a few minutes you're going to kill potentially millions of people even just without the nuclear threat so it's just it's it is it's so hard to to do anything and yeah china's knows that their north korea is a thorn in our side so china's using them as leverage and
2: yeah i mean but it's like the there's not as like you know the, the U.S. and the hawks and and the pro-Israel people. I mean, they're always freaking about freaking out about Iran and their nuclear program. Which, of course, the Trump administration you know scuttled the deal that was uh, preventing Iran from going forward with the program. And at, so, I think just so they could fearmonger around it and and um, j- sort of set the stage for more sa- sanctions on Iran, which they did, and um, all these all this other bullshit. Um, but it's just that there's not a proportional out, you know, kind of like alarm about North Korea because it's, I guess not really advantageous for us to go after them.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. The politics are definitely different between North Korea and on uh, Iran, but the difference is the key difference is North Korea are, we, we already failed with North Korea. I mean, we had 30 years to stop them from getting uh, a nuclear weapon and we, we, we didn't, um, with with Iran there's still a chance. I mean every, everyone says that nuclear that that deal was not ideal. Um the deal that you know Obama and Kerry and everyone worked out but it, it it at least gave us visibility. Now who the hell knows.
2: Well, and you know Europe is still trying to honor the deal while we're just not and then we're then we're we literally accused we've accused Iran of of going against the deal. A deal that we left uh it, it's just the hubris of of the united states is is really remarkable
0: and and you know the, the the saddest part about the whole thing is that trump didn't care about the deal didn't know anything about the deal one or the other he just he just wanted to tear down something obama did and that's yeah. why we're in this
2: mess <laughs> but also he probably had pressure to do it because yeah of the, the pro-israel lobby and the war hawks were all about you know they're all about uh, villainizing Iran to justify actions in the region.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it, I, I'm not, I'm not educated enough to make a strong claim, but from what I've heard, it was an, it was an, it was the best deal that we could have done, and it was better than nothing, and we have nothing to replace it. So,
2: um, right, I mean, it was, it was pretty universally um, commended by the non-crazy people. Yeah, it's so yeah.
1: probably the best thing that he did, as you know president.
2: Right. And it was, it was probably the best, yeah, the best diplomatic thing to come out of that whole administration, of course, including Clinton's term as secretary of state and John Kerry. So, I mean, John Kerry got a lot of props for that. Yeah.
0: But bye-bye. So, well, then, so that's, I mean, we, we're not going to get into that, but that's a whole nother, the, the nuclear pro- proliferation dynamic that could lead to the end of the world. <laughs> I mean, right now it's India and Pakistan or every, everyone thinks they're the most likely to, to start launching at each other. But, um, I mean, yeah, nuclear Iran, I don't, who knows what that's, that looks like. Nuclear North Korea will, will see once they can reliably reach the United States with that fusion bomb i mean they it just it gives them it gives them um clout it gives it gives them a negotiating space and you do not want to give kim jong-un leverage
1: it's just it seems like we're heading in the wrong direction we, we,
0: we we're still headed it was just a pause we thought we thought history ended with the fall of the soviet union but we're still uh we're still marching towards potential
1: nuclear annihilation.
0: Nuclear annihilation. I mean, and not to mention, I mean, we've we've spoken about climate change. That that gets, I mean, that gets for good reason. Um, you know, the younger generation's attention. I mean, the, the nuclear threat was,
1: but they're inherent. They're inherently linked,
0: Mark. Because if they if, because if you
1: look at an incident like Fukushima, now I know this is not a nuclear weapon facility. This is a just a nuclear power plant, but uh, a natural disaster caused a huge, huge nuclear incident, and and the, the with our the infrastructure of our nuclear, you know, our nuclear infrastructure in complete disrepair, or not complete disrepair. That's hyperbolic, but in you know in, in increasing states of disrepair. Uh, a natural disaster like the kind that we will see because of accelerating climate change, uh, that that could – a natural disaster, as you, as as we were talking about earlier before the podcast, I think we started recording, a natural disaster could lead to a human disaster.
0: Yeah, totally. I forgot. We, we had that great conversation with uh, Dr. Scranton about yep. just how may, maybe the death now won't be just the temperature getting warmer, but just how destabilizing – Yep. Climate change actually is.
1: Well, this has been cheery. <laughs> this has been a cheery episode. Alex, how, how are you feeling today?
2: Never been better, my friend.
1: Yeah. So, so listen, la- final thoughts. Uh, are we fucked?
2: Listen,
0: I, I'll, I will give, let me give 30 seconds on glimmers of hope. Um,
1: No, hope. No hope. No, no. We don't allow hope here.
0: So there are a number of steps that we could take, uh, simple things that we could do like tomorrow that would greatly, greatly reduce uh, our chances of blundering ourselves uh, into some sort of nuclear apocalypse just through political miscalculation or accident. Uh, we could end the presidential sole authority for one. So take the decision to basically end the world off of one person's shoulders—one person who's going to have to frantically be making this decision uh, in a matter of seconds. Basically, we can uh, end launch on warning, which is the policy we have—that we will launch out an all-launch an all-out retaliatory strike um, at the warning of any uh, enemy, enemy missiles coming inbound. Um, which is what has led us to the brink a few times when our radar systems failed us um, well so we can end the first use policy which is the stance we take that we reserve the right to launch a nuclear strike first uh, for whatever reason that we want uh, we could we could end we could end that policy we can uh, eliminate land-based missiles this would be huge the ICBMs because these are the ones that can be launched within five minutes and cannot be recalled. So these are the most dangerous of the uh, nuclear, mi- the nuclear weapons in the nuclear triad. It would save us hundreds of billions of dollars. And with the submarines and the bombers, like we still have very, very effective nuclear deterrence. So we we don't need these ICBMs, and they're rapidly aging and deteriorating. Um, and then there's, you know another uh a number of organizations that you can uh look up read up on and um we urge you to support so uh the nuclear threat initiative is one of them the bulletin of atomic scientists the plowshare fund uh, and there's uh, a lot more so do some googling do some reading um and just be vocal about pushing to, you know, pushing towards a world where we can eventually eliminate these nuclear weapons altogether.
2: I think Amnesty International should be the ones to decide. Maybe Code Pink, actually. They should be the ones to decide whether we launch a nuke. Yeah. <laughs> give, give control of the world's nuclear
1: stockpile to my dog, Darla. She will exercise Darla. restraint. She will never order a nuclear attack from any country, all of the world's
2: stockpile, she'll never order an attack. What from. if someone gets at her and bribes her with treats though?
1: Yeah, but, well, hmm. I don't know. I don't know, That's, that is tough. She is a, she's definitely a food hound.
2: <laughs> <Darla>.
1: <laughs> That's it for this week, everyone. Come back next time for another episode of Gilded Age.
2: Audio editing by Alex Koch. Original theme music by Direwolf. Published by Opt Out News.